This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 39th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today we have a very special guest. We have a former longtime coach and one-time University of Washington coach and current Como football Husky game commentator, Keith Gilbertson. Coach, I'm going to give you a little more of an introduction in a minute. First of all, a couple of housekeeping things. I have Daniel Bellis today as my production engineer. I want to mention there's a lot of good things going on at Rainier Avenue Radio. We're an online station based in Seattle. Our sports department has Rick Dupree's great show, One-on-One with Dupe, Granville Emerson, and Renault Lawrence host a show, Lidline Sports. Mazita Marari is a host of Seattle Sports Weekly. Mark Bryant has a fitness show. Pat McCarthy hosts a show on the Seattle Metro Conference. Well, Coach, I'm going to give you a little more of an introduction. I'm going to start firing off some questions. Um, Mr. Gilbertson served as University of Idaho coach. He also was a UW coach in 2003 and 2004. Keith Gilbertson was a UC Berkeley coach for several years in the 90s. Took the Bears to a bowl game once. Uh, Keith also had several stints as a UW assistant coach. He was a Utah. He was at Utah State, an assistant coach for the Seahawks. A couple different stints. Worked as a scout. I'm also going to ask you, Coach, about your USFL years. You you worked for the LA Express and the now defunct United States Football League at one time. Um, this is just great to have you on, Coach. Where Huskies are having their first bowl game in 18 years. I really wanted to try to get a major Husky figure on before this year's Rose Bowl game, and we're not going to get into everything, but I think we're going to have a fun 27 minute conversation. Uh, Coach Keith Gilbertson, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. You're welcome. Nice to be with you. Likewise. Well, Coach, we had a chance to meet briefly at there was a death in the Husky family recently. Rod Jones passed, and Rod was a, a star UW tight end, and he worked at the University of Washington, played NFL for a few years. Coach, you got a minute or two. Can you share with us a little bit about your connection to Rod Jones and about Rod Jones's impact? Well, I met Rod right after he played at Washington, and then uh, when I was at Washington, uh, he became one of the academic counselors in the student services uh, division of, of the Husky Athletic Department. Rod was a, uh, a wonderful human being, a really warm, open uh, man. He was, uh, he was good for young people. He really helped them. And like Rod used to say, I've done all the things you're going to try to do, so don't try to fool me uh, when he talked to the athletes. But he was really a good guy, and it's just a real tragedy that life has ended uh, so short. No doubt, real tragedy. I had the pleasure of meeting Rod a few times. Very, very nice man. Coach, one thing about Rod's passing that's come up is there's been a link to CTE, I believe, with Rod's uh, situation. And do you have anything to share, Coach, about how the safety of football can be improved? Any thoughts on that subject? Well, I think they've probably done a lot of things now to make it uh, safer. I think you see less and less contact in practice. I think you see uh, new ideas about how to tackle. And obviously there's lots of new legislation in the game about keeping the head out of tackles and, and, and some of those massive hits that we got used to seeing. So I think there's a, I think there's a, real, uh, a real push for safety in football, uh, more so than in the past, and, and I think rightly so. Uh, I have no idea about Rod's passing, what, what caused it. Um, so I don't want to speculate. I don't know. You won't know for months until um, examinations have all taken place. I just know that there's a great effort, a great emphasis on making a game safer, and, and I think it makes the game better. 
Well, good good feedback. You, you obviously know the sport very well, and you obviously have some experience with the contact side of the game. Well, Coach, football's been a big part of your life and career. You grew up in Snohomish County, Washington. For listeners outside of Seattle, this is an online station. That Snohomish County is a, a suburb of Seattle, basically a little north of Seattle. And uh, it's known as a community that's produced a, real, a lot of really good football players and coaches. Tell us a little bit, Coach, how you got the football bug. Well, my dad's a coach. My dad's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, and uh, just growing up around it. And, we're, we're, and, we're, and where we grew up, uh, in the area, there was Mike Price and there was Dennis Erickson. And then uh, their fathers were coaches. And so it's just kind of what we did. You know, we, we played football. We had a great respect for the coaches at all the schools and that we knew and that uh, uh, it was just a kind of a natural progression for me. Sure. Did your father, Coach, encourage you to play football? Well, he didn't have to. <laughs> he didn't really have to. I was going to do it. We were going to do it. You know, our family, we were going to play. I mean, that was just. That's what we did. And of course, if you lived in that neighborhood or you lived around Everett, Snohomish County in those times, high school football was 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 very big and well attended and followed, and uh, uh, it was just a great time. Yeah, no doubt. Like, like I mentioned earlier, and you mentioned it, definitely a, a football haven, Snohomish County, Washington, still is. Well, coach, you played college football at a, at a couple of schools. I'm make sure I have the schools right. You played at. Central Washington, I believe, Columbia Basin, and University of Hawaii, which I didn't know until I did a little uh, pre-show research. Yeah, How that's was... true. In fact, uh, the Hawaii team comes in, I think, next year to open the, open the season against the Huskies. That's right. That's right. How, how were those uh, college football years at those uh, respective schools? They were fine. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Had a lot of had a lot of great memories, made a lot of great friends. And uh, one coach in particular at the University of Hawaii, uh, made me want to coach even more after I got around him. He was a great motivator and a teacher and a position coach. So uh, his name was Larry Price. And uh, he had a lot to do with me wanting to become a college football coach. Larry Price then played a role in your uh, decision to go in the coaching world then? A big, a big impact on me. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting to hear about that background. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Keith Gilbertson. Coach, you've been both an assistant and a head coach. You obviously have some perspectives. Do you think of the head coach position as more that of a leader than a manager? And do you think of the assistant coaches as more managers and teachers and leaders? Give me a little feedback on that. Well, maybe the dynamic is changing these days with uh, with what's demanded of you uh, in each one of those jobs. Uh, I think the head coach has to be a little bit more of a CEO. And, uh, you know, one of the things you have to do is maybe divorce yourself from one side of the ball or the other. Most of the time you get those jobs because you've been, uh, you've been successful as a coordinator in offense or defense. So when you become the head coach, you've kind of just got to kind of stay neutral to both sides and put your two cents in. Let people, but you got to let people do their job. Where my years as a coordinator are really my favorite time as in, in coaching, and uh, you know I just enjoyed I just enjoyed the teaching aspect. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, designing 
offense and uh, teaching offense and uh, calling offense. Offense to me was uh, really how I made my niche and what I really enjoyed. And there were times when uh, I, I had the head coaching jobs that I wished I was still just the coordinator. Well, you brought something up here in the way you answered my last question, and, and it's sort of a segue to, to my next question here. And I know that a lot of coaches aspire to be head coaches, whether at the high school, college, or pro levels, as you know. And But being a head coach, one can definitely be kind of a target. Do you think on some levels being an assistant coach or a coordinator can be more enjoyable and fulfilling than being a head coach? Well, I mean, if you're successful and you're enjoying it, it's probably all good. It's 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 really what what the individual wants to do, how he sees himself, and uh, you know, there's some things about being a head coach that aren't enjoyable. I mean, I mean, uh, the media is a is uh, a demand. Uh, if you're not winning all the time, there can be uh, a lot of problems. Uh, discipline with your players is because you're the bottom line. You're the punisher, whereas an assistant. You're the teacher, you're the play designer, you're the play caller. And the head guy is pretty much, like you said, uh, a leadership role, and you got to be the CEO, and you got to make a lot of tough decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting to hear your perspective because you've, you've been an assistant, a coordinator, a head coach. You've, you've done a little bit of all, for sure. You've worked in the pro leagues and the college leagues. So I'm going to kind of move around, Coach. We're not going to get into everything today. I wish I had more time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bug you and keep you on for hours and hours because I could, would talk your ear off. So I'm going to, we're going to keep this at 27 minutes. Paul Schneiderman again on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, former Husky coach Keith Gilbertson. I, I had a guy on my show recently by the name of Jeff Perlman. Jeff uh, wrote a book about the USFL called Football for a Buck. It's now a New York Times bestseller, and there's a special focus in Jeff's book about – President Trump's role as a New Jersey General's owner. And I know you coach in the USFL for a few years there. And you, you, I believe Bill Oldenburg was the owner of the LA Express when you, when you were a coach. Tell us about those USFL years, Keith. Well, I had the opportunity to go to Los Angeles with a guy named Hugh Campbell, who had been the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. And Hugh had been a great player at Washington State. And had a wonderful career in Canada. In fact, had won on numerous Super Bowls and Warren Moon was his quarterback for a time. So I, got to, I went to Los Angeles with him from the University of Idaho. And then after one year, he went to the Houston Oilers. And then uh, John Hadle became the head coach. And he brought with him a couple guys who were really household names in professional football at the time. Ray Malavasi, who had been the head coach of the Rams, and then a guy named Sid Gilman who has been given a lot of credit for being kind of the father of the modern passing game. Sure. So I got an opportunity to work with those people, and uh, it was really a great learning thing for me. I'm very glad I got to do it. I really appreciate uh, those those years uh, with John and that staff because uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Do, do you think the U.S. Deville could have survived, Coach, if they stayed as a spring league? Well, I think I think had they stayed with the original concept of controlled salaries for the players and not gotten greedy and not try to try to compete with the NFL for signing guys, because I think once once you get the horse leaves the barn in terms of where you're going to start paying guys and salary and loading teams, that uh, it just kind of gets away from you. And what happened with the USFL is a shame because. If you'd stayed in the spring league, there were lots of good players, and there was lots of 
teaching to be done, and I just think it was a great concept to begin with that it kind of got away from itself and three years later folded. Yeah. Well, there's been a little renaissance in USFL discussions I, I the last uh, several months. I think Perlman's books played a role in that. By the way, uh, Keith, when, when you were a coach for the LA Express, did, did the players and, and uh, assistants and coaches bring up Donald Trump much? He was the owner of the New Jersey Generals at all. Was he ever a topic of much conversation in those days? No. No. Gotcha. Um, you were the offensive coordinator of that great 1991 UW co-national championship team, I guess we can call it, and you you accepted a position at Berkeley, and you took Berkeley to a bowl game. Was it tough to leave uh, the UW coach after that national championship year? Yeah, it was a real tough decision. I really enjoyed the people I worked with. I, I, I particularly appreciated and loved and uh, enjoyed Coach James. And then the, the, the youngsters, the guys that we got to coach were just the best guys to be around. I... I uh, Stop the world of them. I loved how they competed. They liked playing. They took coaching. They were just a joy to be around. So, yeah, it was real tough to leave and go to Cal. But it was definitely uh, quite a position to get a, a, a Pac-10 head coaching job in those days, though. No doubt about that, though, right? Well, I guess. That was not my best stop, if you want to be honest about it. Uh, There's probably a lot of other things I'd have rather done. Uh, I mean, we had some success, but it's, Cal's, Cal's a tough nut. Cal's, Cal's different. Cal isn't Washington. Cal isn't USC. Cal is, uh, Cal is different uh, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, I wasn't ready for that. You know, it, it, was, uh, it was probably outside some of the scope of the things I'd done, so I'm not sure how prepared I was for Berkeley. Well, like I said, you took the team to a bowl game. There, there was definitely some success there. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, current Como broadcaster and former coach Keith Gilbertson. So, Coach, you had a couple stints with the Seahawks, and you were an assistant there for two different stints in the 90s and I believe in the early 2000s. Uh, how did getting the Super Bowl compare to the Husky National Championship in 92? Could, are they comparable at all in the football worlds? Yeah, I think so. One of the things I appreciate, but I, I got to coach in three Rose Bowls, uh, 91, 92 Rose Bowls, and then the 2001 Rose Bowl. And uh, a great experience, great trip, and we won all three. I would probably feel different about the Super Bowl in, De- in Detroit had we won. And it was a lot of controversy about some calls and officiating and it just really left a sour taste in my mouth, and I think a lot of people's mouth, about the Super Bowl experience. Yeah, that, that 2006-year-old game. Remember it well, Coach. There, there was definitely some, some very controversial calls in that game. Um, you, you were the coach at the University of Washington for a couple of years, 2003 and 2004. And I'll tell you something. The, the general consensus I get in the Husky Nation is that you're a really good guy, good coach, and you kind of took over a tough situation. Coach Neuheisel had been dismissed, and he had a lawsuit going on. Looking back, Coach, at those two years, were some of those off-the-field issues, were they distracting what was going on on the field at all? Incredible. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna take over uh, any position with that much controversy and chaos swirling around. And it, just in those times, not only did they <clears throat> make a coaching change, but uh, 
there were three athletic directors in about a seven-month period and two university presidents. So you're just not going to keep everybody happy. You're not going to be on the same page with all those different bosses. And, uh, of course, when, when you have to recruit and attract people to your program, the other schools are just going to use all that controversy and chaos against you. So I only was there for one recruiting class. And there were some good players in it, but at the same time, everybody knew I, I had a really short short contract. And when and when they asked me to take the job in August of 2003, they kind of made it known that well, this this probably won't be for very long. Well, I got all that, you know. Yeah, no, I, like I mentioned earlier, that was just the overwhelming consensus as you you took over a really tough tough situation. I'll, I'll move on from that era, but but real quickly. Coach, you know, Coach Neuheisel had a had a suit going on against UW. There was a settlement during the trial in 2005. Were you kind of a, a neutral Switzerland that whole thing, or did you have any allegiances in, in uh, Coach Neuheisel's suit, or where were you at on that whole uh, episode? Well, by that time I was long. I was gone from the university, and I was at the Seahawks, so really it was none of my business. Gotcha, gotcha. I was just kind of curious. Are you enjoying the the uh, being a Como commentator as much as uh, you enjoyed coaching? Well, I don't enjoy it as much as I did being a coordinator. I mean, I had a great run at Washington as a coordinator two different times. You know, the early 90s and then the early 2000s, and those were those were really good years for me. And knock on wood, uh, the Huskies, we did very well. No Three doubt Rose about Bowls, it. couple holiday bowls, uh, really good time. Yeah, great years. Yeah, um, some- but I enjoy the Como thing, and it's great to be back with people like Greg Lewis and Bill Schwartz, and, and then of course Tony Castro, Cohen, Damon Hewitt, and Lee Woodward. We got a great, we got a great game day crew, and it's uh, fun to be with them. No doubt, no doubt. It's fun to hear all you guys uh, do the, the the pregame show. Uh, this is Paul Schneiderman again on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Keith Gilbertson. We got about maybe ten more minutes. Got some time for some more questions. So in Husky Nation, there's a lot of talk about Jake Browning. I probably would be better if I asked this question after the Rose Bowl, but I'm still going to ask it, ask it now. And Jake has set some UW passing records, and he, he's been a credible quarterback, but a lot of Husky fans seem to have some mixed opinions about the young man's total quality as a UW quarterback. Do, do you have any thoughts about um, Jake Browning's uh, work as the Husky quarterback? I have a lot of admiration for Jake. And if you have not lived and worked in the, in the program at the University of Washington, you might not understand the scrutiny and the pressure that that guy lives with every day. I, uh, I used to tell people that the four toughest jobs in Seattle were the Husky head coach, the Seahawks head coach, the quarterback at the University of Washington, and the offensive coordinator at the University of Washington. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think Jake's done some great things. Uh, he's quarterbacked the team conference championships in three seasons. He's going to a Rose Bowl game. He's taking a team to the college football playoffs. And he's set a lot of records and he's and he's done so representing the university in just great fashion and, and he's been uh, a great kid. So I I, I I have a lot of admiration for Jake Browning and enjoy shaking his hand. Well I do too and I, I appreciate your answer, but you know you know how people talk, the fans talk about players and then the way they evaluate them evaluate players and uh, i think your perspectives about jake are really good coach like a lot of fans i'm, I'm kind of a little old school and i really miss the the old school rose bowl pack 10 versus 
Big Ten. It was kind of like the World Series of college football. And this year we have kind of a version of that with Washington as the Pac-12 winner versus Ohio State in the Big Ten. Do, do you miss the old Rose Bowl format at all, Coach? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it's a fabulous experience to go to a game, coach in it, play in it. And uh, the years that I got to go, we won all those games. Beat Iowa, beat Michigan, and won the national championship, and beat Purdue. So that's 3-0, buddy. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It, 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 like I said a minute ago, I think as a fan, it's fun to, fun to kind of go back this year at least, with a little bit of the old Rose Bowl format. But uh, good to hear perspectives. So a lot's coming up about the national championship system in in college football. And I could ask you a lot of questions about it, but let me sort of package this question this way. So you have Central Florida. They won about 25 straight games, but they're they're not going to qualify to play for the NCAA football national championship. Unlike college basketball, where... All sorts of schools that no one's ever really heard of end up having a chance to play in the March Madness tournament. Would you be open to expanding the college football playoffs to give like a school Central Florida more of a shot? Oh, I I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a guy that – I don't think that more is always better. And this year I think there's two clear-cut top two teams – in Clemson and Alabama, that have distanced themselves from, you know, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Washington, USC, Central Florida. I think those two have, have shown that they're the two best far and away. Now, but at the same time, if you're going to have a playoff, I don't know how the Big Ten champion and the Pac-12 champion doesn't get in a playoff. So somewhere along the line, we got to come to grips with uh, – Everybody's involved. Nobody gets a chance. It's worthy or you don't. You you like you, you don't mind the current sort of Final Four system then right right now? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. I, either you go to eight and you get every conference champion involved in it and one at large, which issue would obviously be Central Florida. Then all the major conferences are, are represented, or you just go back and find the top two, like the old BCS formula. Let them play it off after the bowl games. Coach, let me throw out one more idea. I I saw one commentator, he mentioned the idea of, of taking the top six and giving the top two a bye. Would you be open to something like that? No. Okay. No. I tell you why I don't like that. Because you've got you've got so many conferences now that don't don't play the same amount of conference games as other conferences. The Pac twelve out here, everybody out here has to play nine. Southeast conference plays eight. Uh, the uh, Big Ten plays eight, and their non-conference team they seem to go on for months, and they don't play anybody. So I, I think this. I think if you're going to get in, you got to play. Gotcha, gotcha. You have a lot of insights. Well, right now the the, the Pac-10 conference is coming under some scrutiny. There, there's a lot of. I know some Washington State people are upset that Washington State didn't get a, an invitation to play in a New Year's Bowl game this year. There's a little debate on that going on. Any thoughts in general right now on the quality of the Pac-12 conference for football? One, I think Washington State people have a, have a right to be upset in that uh, they don't get invited to a New Year's Six game, but Texas, I think, with five losses or four losses, gets in a gets in a New Year's Six game. So that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. It's probably to anybody. 
but the league's got some work to do. You went one and eight last year in bowl games. You already owned one this year with a loss to uh, Mountain West champion Fresno, who, by the way, is a very good team. And Jeff Tedford is a great football coach. But but the league's got some work to do, and you've got uh, I think six more bowl games or seven more bowl games to uh, to show what you got. Yeah, well, that that's a feeling a lot a lot of people have that the Pac-12 conference, maybe compared to some other power conferences, is maybe a little behind right now. What was was the uh, teaching part? Was that the favorite part of coaching for you? Well, part of it. I mean, you enjoy the young guys you coach. Uh, I enjoyed designing offense and uh, coaching it, teaching it, calling it on Saturdays. I enjoyed I enjoyed that part of my career very much. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, you you worked, I know, with Mike Holmgren and Don James and, and Dennis Erickson. What are what are some things you learned from those uh, particular coaches I just mentioned? Well, you take something different from everybody. Dennis was the first coach I'd worked with and for that uh, was was really instrumental in the passing game. Kind of on the cutting edge of the college passing game. When we went to Idaho, and we did a lot of great things. And Idaho had a great football program and uh, enjoyed a lot of wins for a lot of years. Uh, Don James was just the master. I mean, and Don James did so much for my career, got me started, gave me my first opportunities, invited me back, and I gave me a chance to coordinate and put my offense in and and be a part of those great teams. And, of course, the great defenses, the Jim Lambright defenses, uh, and so many good players. And then at a time when I didn't know what I was going to do, Mike Holmgren gave me a chance to come back to the Seahawks second time. And like I told Mike, I said he was like an oasis. <laughs> I was out in the desert, didn't have anywhere to go, and all of a sudden there was, there was Coach Holmgren saying, hey, we got a spot for you. I, uh, I owe Mike Holmgren a lot, and I really expanded my knowledge and my ideas in the passing game being around Mike Holmgren because he's a, he's a unique offensive thinking guy, and he really is cutting edge and, and has a great eye for players has, and has just a great way of teaching and, and running this program. So I, I had nothing but great times with Mike Holmgren. I thought he was unique and i was real thankful i got to be with him well great coaches you brought up well coach gilbertson we're winding down i think we got less than 30 seconds left what does the future hold for keith gilbertson well i don't know you know i mean uh i probably stopped coaching before i thought i would i'm 70 now so probably everybody thinks i'm too old don't know the handshakes can't get up and down there out of the press box anymore so yeah. who knows i i've enjoyed the radio part of it um, but uh, I miss coaching, and uh, but I still enjoy the game. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and stay in touch. Yeah, same to you, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye.